motivated? Get educated. Get growing your property empire with the How To Property Podcast with your host, Ryan Luke. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Um, this week, I have got Kevin Whelan on from the Wealth Builders and the Wealth Talk podcast that I was um, on the other week and so grateful to be on. I know um, how uh, much of a reputation that podcast has and how much of a reputation Kevin's business has got. So it was an absolute pleasure to be on that podcast. And um, if you haven't heard that episode, get yourself over there and start listening to it. And if you're not already subscribed to their podcast, please do. It's an absolute gem. So, Kevin, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for returning the favour. No, it's it's great, and always a pleasure to talk to a, a fellow Geordie. And I know you <laughs> you might need a little help today, given the marathon you've just been on with uh, uh, with Clubhouse. Uh, I hope you've uh, got enough energy for your audience today. And if I know you, that you absolutely usually have that in spades, don't you? Yeah, I think I, I can, I've got a half an hour, forty-five minutes in me. I think so. For anyone that doesn't know. Um, I did a 24-hour Airbnb expert panel marathon on Clubhouse yesterday. I'm sure most of the listeners were listening in because there was thousands of people came through the room. We had experts from all over the world sharing their experience on Airbnb and how they've built businesses up. And it was incredible. The whole thing was 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 just packed with value and um, the audience questions. And it was just, to me, it was inspiring as well to see you know, Airbnb is a thing, but how everybody makes it their own using mm. that platform, you know, different businesses, different property styles, different ways they automate and systemize, different ways they collect payments. You know, the whole thing was, it, it was just fantastic to see how, how people spin that one product and make so yeah. many different revenue streams from it. And um, I guess that could lead us perfectly into this episode you know you're all about building wealth through many different avenues yeah and um yeah i mean should we start do you want to maybe just give us a bit brief background and kind of go from there yeah well you know kevin whelan is my name and uh the business i'm in is building wealth and uh so i'm the founder of a community of people ryan that's called wealth builders it kind of does what it says on the tin really and the idea is uh we know everybody wants to be completely financially independent, right? So you're unaffected by Brexit, you're unaffected by economic circumstances, taxes, whatever comes in. You built enough steady income flows, recurring income flows from a multiple stream of different assets that make you financially bulletproof. And uh, we have a a blueprint that we walk through. Uh, We talk that there are only seven assets that you can own to build wealth. So wealth then is quite scientific. And then once you know what you want, that's your Airbnb story. You can you can just choose whichever assets or combination you want to play. And then by the use of great education, unbiased and you know, support with incredible integrity and connections in a community that share, just as you experienced the other day. The sharing is the brilliant part of all of this, mm-hmm. the community. Um, our students uh, work their way from where they are now to typically what they're looking for. And on the average, they're looking for about ten grand a month. Of course, that's the average I get. Ten grand a month, I'll be, I'll, I'll be happy, um, yeah. and, and that's what we do. So we walked them through that. And property plays a big role. Business plays a role. Intellectual property, you know, the, the seven different ways you can do it, or seven main assets. We refer to them as pillars. 
And if anybody jumps on the podcast, you'll hear us talking about pillars a lot. And um, yeah, so we've been going for quite a long time now. And uh, so we've got a lot of people who've achieved their outcomes. And now some of those have become coaches in my own program. So it's my IP, but delivered through a bunch of coaches so that, you know, we can reach more people. And uh, Ryan, my ambition is to have 50,000 people completely financially independent. And the plan there is to like to fill St. James's Park (laughs) as if it were wealth builders coming out and, and infesting the world with ideas on how they can be financially independent and not living a compromised life depending on what something else happens in the world. And, and that's my kind of, you know, funky vision. At 50,000, we could probably all club together and buy it off them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, probably, we probably could. Well, I'm not going to talk, talk about football or religion, right? Because <laughs> both are frustrating. Yeah. Uh, so, so, um, so I guess the audience are going to obviously be thinking, you know, what are the seven pillars? Sure. Um, I can describe them pretty quickly. And the best way to do that is, first of all, to imagine that my logo is a firm is a foundation. So if you can imagine a foundation, seven strong, robust pillars in the middle and a roof perched on the top, and it makes a perfectly watertight building. That's the idea, and that's the sort of philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the easiest way to think about the pillars and get your own audience to be thinking about them and working with them is to almost uh, draw a circle or draw a square and then draw three legs coming to the left, and uh, or to yeah. I mean, if you've got it on your piece of paper in front of you, three legs to the right, four legs to the left. So you've got like an unequal spider, right? So if they do that, so I'll give them a minute just to do that, and then they can fill it in, and then you and I can have a little chat about you know what the differences are between the seven. So on the right hand side, where you've got three legs, the first one is home capacity. So just write that down. The second one is pension, and the third one is investments. Now, as we think about those three pillars, they're the main ones that most people in the UK, in the US, for example, depend on for their long-term wealth. And it's the only three they have. And that's why I call them the traditional pillars. You know, people live in a house, they got some pension, and they got some money in the bank and a few quid in the stock market, and that's what they hope will see them through. But it won't because the stock market's too volatile. Cash doesn't give you very much. And most people live in their house. They don't want to rent it out and Airbnb it. They want to be in it on their own, living their life. And for the 95% of the population, that's kind of where they get stuck. They kind of do all of their activity, trading time for money and acquiring those three assets. Those who move forward to build wealth um, genuinely independently and What I call an asset is something that puts money in your bank account while you're asleep. You can pass it on to good causes or your family if you wish. You don't have to show up, but the money shows up. That's the essence of an asset. So the four four entrepreneurial assets we refer to, so the four on the left-hand side, are property portfolio. So in other words, a property, something in property that's yielding you uh, ongoing rent, a business that's yielding you recurring profits, not trading time for money, because uh, I'll shift that back to the other side. It's just having a job. Uh, intellectual property, so creating revenue from books, courses, materials, memberships in my case, um, and then joint ventures. So that's where you collaborate with somebody else with a view to creating recurring income. So they're the seven. And when people look at that and see it sort of written down side by side, 
it's sort of become obvious what the yeah. differences are. You know, so those on the left-hand side are putting their heart and soul in. They're making a commitment to do. They're driving value. They're finding value when the market goes down. They're still being creative in finding value. And um, what they're doing is they're putting more and more under their control where they can, you know, create that value, keep that value. Whereas on the right-hand side, you're always in the hands of something else. You know, the market goes up or down. The advisor's charging you fees that you can't escape because you're stuck in a place where fees are just a natural phenomenon, um, which is another soapbox I often get on. But, uh, you know, and, and when you're getting to 10 grand a month, it's always good to be looking at, well, how much is coming from each of the seven? And that's what we get our clients to do. And mostly when they start, when they tot it up, you know, what would come automatically in their life if they stopped doing what they're doing right now and couldn't do anything for a year? what would be coming automatically into their life. And most people get a shock. Yeah. And it's just, you know, people like you and people like me who've discovered this for over many years have, have put things in place to ensure that in some cases, not only do we survive, but we thrive massively. And in some cases, actually, your business gets stronger because you actually don't need to be there for the teams that you've already got to make the business stronger, even without you. And that's the essence of wealth building. I hope that helps give the yeah. setup. No, that that's uh, that's superb, and I think um, I'm all about working less and earning more. I don't think there's, you know, it's um, one thing that you I think start to appreciate more as you get wealth under your under your belt is is the time, you know, and that that a you've got left, and and b what you do with it. And mm -hmm. I'm all about leveraging other people buying time and making sure that you can use your time as you see fit. So um, yeah. I assume. Most of your clients will come and only have the first three pillars typically and maybe then start the, the, the four. Maybe they've got a couple of the, the mm. four maybe not ticking in the way they should be. Yeah, not yeah, that's probably characterized it about right. Most people realize, you know, they're on a journey. And when they look at it, there's something as a catalyst, you know, that stimulates them to wake up and smell the roses and go, hang on a minute, this isn't going to work. Either it's a redundancy or it's a – a health scare or it's in my case uh, you know my dad that's why I started my dad died when he was 46 and we were genetically just carbon copies of each other and I thought as a young economist that's my degree in way back in the very late 70s early 80s um bloody hell you know if I go when my dad goes I can't save enough in a job you know even as a bright economist I just couldn't save enough I had to build things that I could own that would work if I went early. Now I've survived. Kind of, you look at me now, I'm way past 45 or 46. However, you know, that that journey stood me in good stead. And when I started the journey, I didn't know about pillars. I just knew I had an intellectual ambition to test myself. And, you know, with my wife on board, giving me permission to say, look, I know where, where you're going and, you know, I'm supporting you. It was really helpful. But there's always a catalyst in someone that stimulates them to do something. And yeah. often they'll either have nothing or they'll have a little bit on something, but they haven't got a plan. And what yeah. they're kind of nervous about, I think, and I think you probably could see it out there, is um, there's an awful lot of information out there. I mean, crumbs, you 24 hours on uh, Airbnb, <laughs> right? So there's a deluge of information. In some cases, it's a bit like trying to get a cup of water out to Niagara Falls. It's just a deluge. And yeah. when you get a deluge, people kind of, 
really struggle to get the right information. And often they'll either drift for too long because they just keep getting more and more and more information on acting on it, or they get suckered into kind of courses and they'll do another course that gives them more information then do another one to get more information. And they're not acting on that. So they're not really enacting a plan. So what we do is because we're holistic, we're not trainers in any one strategy or another. We work with people who are uh, because we know who's outstanding in their field. So we do gravitate to good people. However, we're agnostic on the subject of where you get your knowledge from, but we help people create a plan. And when they've got a plan and there are steps in that plan that, you know, we share with them and we give them a monthly coaching call so that, you know, always knowing what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and it's really about a combination of things. And the first three of those are, you know, great education. So I admire your point about investing in yourself. You know, you don't have to do it all yourself. DIY culture is not really good when it comes to wealth building because, you know, you can just keep going forever and trying to learn something. Um, great support, and you've got to feel like you're getting supported from people who've got your interests at heart. And what's more important than anything else, I think, is the connections. So connecting to other people who are doing it, have done it, and who are willing to share and help you across the journey, across that bridge, if you like. And when you do that, the combination, and then we put due diligence in place to make sure people don't make mistakes. Um, when they do that, and we call that the wheel of wealth, you know, education, support, connection, due diligence, and only then action. And then each asset you build, you're turning the wheel full circle, not half turned, but all the way around. And then every time you get to the end of the wheel, you click and that click gets you either a flow of cash flow, monthly recurring income, or a nice lump sum that you can use to develop another project or to shelter some of that money in another more diversified vehicle. So we don't encourage people to do just property or just business or just, just, just. It's always mm-hmm. about building things for diversification. And when you do that, you don't transact anymore, you transform. So you become different, you become better, you become more confident, and then you can leave a much bigger and better legacy because you're passing on the wisdom, you're not just passing on cash or bits of property. See what I mean? So so I believe in the wisdom because I still you know, want to make sure that wisdom passes on to my family and my family's legacy. And we encourage all of our members, we call them members actually, all of our members to do the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see it time and time again, don't you, where successful business owners pass it down to their kids and it goes belly up, you know, because they haven't, yeah, they've passed the money down and they've passed the operation, but they haven't passed the wisdom down. So that that is true. It's funny that the catalyst part of it, mine was I didn't have a pension. And oh, from okay. 30, I always kept saying, I really need to do something about that. I need to do something about that. But right. then I actually was a financial advisor, and I'm probably the only financial advisor that doesn't want to have a pension. So <laughs> I, uh, I I thought, what else can I do? So ultimately I gravitated towards property and because I think, you know, set up right, property can um, operate without you. And yeah. it earns money while you sleep and you know it takes a lot of these these sort of passive lifestyle type boxes and as well as being a you know fairly secure asset it grows over time pretty much and it creates cash flow as well so that that's how i got it that was my catalyst which projected me in there um and then i think it's it's up to yourself what you do with as you say the information and taking the action because we see it time and time again listen we're both coaches we both have an abundance of people coming through and 
uh, we talk to a lot of people as well who might not come through. And um, we give, as you say, there's so much information out there that people can get so overwhelmed by it that they just don't know what the next best step is. And I think sometimes just getting people clear on that next best step is um, the, the the best thing you can do for them. And, and if you're continuing to do that in a in a network that, um, you know, you, you touch on network there and a lot of people think they need one-to-one coaching to get them to where they need to be. Sure. I would swap a one-to-one coach seven days a week for a powerful network seven days a week. And mm-hmm. uh, even just bringing this back to the clubhouse event we did last night, I didn't know half of the people that were the expert panels, especially the ones over in Australia, United States, Japan, places like that. Uh, but we had a little group going on behind the scenes on Instagram just to try and keep it all organized, make sure that if people were burning out, someone else was going to jump in the chair and uh, chucking ideas around to keep the group flowing. And just from doing that, like we've all connected. We're all now jumping on each other's podcasts. Uh, I've made a great connection, um, you know, with a chat in France for some potential business on my new venture in Dubai in, in next year. You know, there's just so many things have come out of that one small network that we had. And, um, you know, as they say, your network's your net worth, right? And the, I, I couldn't believe in that, you know, any stronger. I think it, it's hugely powerful. I think, you know, I agree with you on, on a number of different levels. And one of those is when you've got well, – what does what surprised me, I suppose, over the years that I've been building communities is, is the willingness of the community to share. They don't feel like they're in competition, right? So that's number one. And the way we um, encourage our members to look at it, and I, I always tell them the – picture of the you know the St James's Park and whatever I said right so to get there you've got to cross the time bridge right so they go okay and this is the time bridge so so what I want you to do is imagine you're crossing the bridge but on you know you've got to have on the one hand a handout reached in front of you asking for help and having humility to ask for it but another hand reaching behind you to help somebody else who's just further behind you and if you live your life with that open mindset then the community will gravitate around you. So yeah. I definitely believe in the in the power of that. And the other thing about community is you get perspectives, even on similar things like you mentioned yesterday. You know, just to just to somebody sees something with a slightly different twist, and just a little one, and you go, "That's a light bulb there," you know. And when we call that the um, the 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 first ROI, right? So we talk about ROIs and everybody knows ROI means return on investment. But I say, no, the first one is you begin every day looking for one relationship, one opportunity or one idea that's going to transform the way you think about your wealth. Hmm. You begin every day like a kid being curious about what that day is going to hold. And what opportunities are going to show themselves and who's going to connect with you? And when you do that, that's because some cheeky people, you know, say to me, well, Kevin, you look like an old geezer. What the hell are you doing talking about this for? It's because I love it. I don't need the job. I don't need the work. I'm not looking for coaching. You know, I'm looking to really try and inspire some people and try and let them know that if they think slightly differently, you know, they can get to where they want to get to. So I think that's a really great point about the openness and the willingness for people to want to be part of the community and give as much as they get, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that that makes a big difference as well. When you're a giver, uh, you'll you'll receive more by virtue of participating rather than just looking for what you can get out of it. And that's, I think, the other big value of a trusted community. And I think the final point I'll make it as you think about 
that point also is we use a common language. Um, you know, it's almost tribal. You know, we talk about pillars, we talk about wheels, we talk about, and I guess you were doing that yesterday. What's your channel and who's yeah. your channel manager? And you're using a language and language binds people together. And I think it's just great when you're, each asset will have a slightly different language. So, you know, the, again, the more that you can learn, the, it's like traveling. You know, you don't just want to travel to one place. You mm -hmm. need that richness of travel. Now we can't travel, but of course we will do it again. Uh, you mentioned Dubai, you mentioned France, you mentioned Australia, and these are all places you want to go to. And that's the same with wealth. You want to try different things mm. and different things and not get overwhelmed by the way we do that is to say, we only want you to take one thing this month. So what's the one action you'll take in the next 30 days that will move you well forward? No, no, no. Don't be looking five years down the line. Don't be looking next year. What's the one thing you can do this month? with the pillar that you're working on and do that. And yeah. then you get some income and then you watch, we call it your thermometer. You see your wealth thermometer rising. So, okay, you start with zero. It's now a hundred quid a month, right? What's the one thing you're going to do this month to get that to 150 or 200, right? Do that, right? What's the next thing? And then what we find is the momentum. Yeah. Doing small things helps people rather than trying to think about what's the best thing I can do and then do nothing. Mm. What, um, cause I, I come from a very action orientated background. I've always done it, whether it's as a kid wanting sweets off me dad or whether it's, you know, <laughs> wanting to go and play a certain sport or whatever, you know, but for me, it's like, if someone gives me an idea or something that I think is going to be good, I just instantly take action and I kind of took all the sort of doubts or, you know, right now, right, I'm expanding to Dubai. I'm going to do my venture over there. You know, even with the, um, you know, the the sort of history I've got and how, you know, well we've done over here with the Airbnb gig. My, you know, I didn't speak to my dad about it this morning. He's like, are you sure it'll work over there? You know, and there's always that, whereas I'm just like, yeah. let's do it, you know. And, yeah. and, and so for me, I really struggle to understand when, you know, we do strategy calls for people or I can see them, you know, downloading all information, ebooks, watching my YouTube channel or even just getting involved in other people's programs. And then they do nothing with it and they don't do anything with it. And it really frustrates me that they won't take action. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think they won't? Because there'll be plenty here who this is resonating with and they'll be thinking, that's me. I get all the information. I don't do anything with it. What? Yeah. what Think the main barrier is why do you think it stops them because i can't compute it in my mind because i i am an action taker so it's difficult for me to say well i understand yeah. why they didn't take action well i mean and that's uh, i can see why that's difficult for you if you're a natural action taker right um but you know when we use a tool called wealth dynamics uh and we, we bring it right to the very start of our relationship with our members and wealth dynamics it helps you understand you know, how you think, how you process information, how you make decisions. And you begin to get clues from things like that. So, for example, um, let's say, you know, the big picture thinkers, the creatives, right? So which is what we call dynamo energy. So, you know, you'll probably be a creative, you know, lots lots of energy, lots of drive, right? Yeah. Um, now, you're you're taking that drive and you're driving it down a pathway to get a result. What big picture thinkers often do is they think with so many things and they've got 10 ideas before breakfast. And instead of focusing on the one thing, they'll think, well, that's interesting, but I'll just 
find out a little bit more about that because there might be another idea around there. And what about this Bitcoin thing? Maybe I've missed out on the crypto. Oh, Airbnb. Now, ooh, now Ryan said Dubai. I best check into Dubai. He's a smart guy. I look into that. And they just keep bouncing like bagatelle off the wall with ideas. And it's because what drives them intellectually is the gratification of, of challenging themselves to think through ideas as opposed to the action. And the, the way to do that is to be strong with them. And that's where they do need a coach, actually, because mm. you need to harness that driving energy and say, yeah, but what's the one thing you're going to do? You know, yeah. so, uh, stop thinking about those other things. We've got them. We've got them all on the list. These are all the things you're going to try. But what's the one thing you could mm. do this month? Yeah. Right? Or the next 90 days, if you can't do it in a month, what, what is the one thing? And then let's just do that. Let's do that together. And then they do it. And then they, 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 you know, you've got to keep them from drifting that path. The other opposite of the creator is the analyzer, right? Somebody who's into the detail. They'll be, they won't want to be on Clubhouse. They'll be like yawning about that. They'll be, they won't want to be on Facebook. They won't be on those places. They won't be where lots of people are. They'll be at home with a spreadsheet, looking at data, analyzing the hell out of the data. I just need to check that a bit more. I just need to dot the I's and cross the T's. I just need, I just need, I just need. I haven't quite, and I hear it all the time. I haven't quite finished the book about you don't need a book to be wealthy. You know, you, you, what do you want to do? If you're going on holiday and you're having a, a wonderful trip around Italy, do you want to read the, the book or do you want to get there and go and work it out and find a guide who can show you around some incredible place? I just want to keep reading the next guidebook, the next guidebook, the next guidebook. You know, sometimes you just got to do it. Um, but they'll overanalyze and they can't get out of that habit. So the only way they can get out of the habit, both sides, either the creatives or the analyzers, um, is, to, is to be helped. And sometimes they won't seek help. You know, the analyzer will sometimes be a DIYer because they think they can learn everything. Um, you'll find them next week learning how to drill your own teeth. You know, they'd rather do that. Uh, then, then just get a dentist to sort it out for them, right? They'll learn, try and learn everything instead yeah. of learning enough to do something. Um, and it's a whole combination, and we call it the the DIYers, the <laughs> drifters, and the delegators. They're the three people. There are three reasons why people stop. They want to give it to somebody else. Oh, no, it's too hard. I'll, I'll let somebody else do it. And that's they put that money in the stock market with financial advisors. The DIYers want to learn everything, and the drifters are just bouncing off the wall. Um, so they're the reasons, really. They just need to be harnessed into a way that they trust enough in somebody to help them. Otherwise, they will just keep going around that same endless loop. Um, and I meet them, you know, and they frustrate me. But what can you do? You know, it's yeah. 50,000 people I'm trying to help, not 50 million. So I just let them go and say, well, look, if you spend a year with me or talking to me and you still haven't done anything, you ain't going to. You know, mm. it's probably best. You don't frustrate me or me frustrate you. We're just, you know, should just move on. Um, and it's fine to be intellectually interested. You know, I'm interested in football, but I don't play it, you know, so that's fine. But I'm interested in wealth, but I play. I'm in the game. I'm mm. participating in the game. I'm not a spectator. And they want to spectate. And there's actually nothing wrong with spectating. As long as you don't kid on, you want to be in the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's, and that's so relevant to property as well. There's so many people... I want to get into property and, and, you know, never do, never do anything about getting into property. Um, waiting for that next 
quick fix or magic wand or tree to sort of just drop on them and say, oh, well, here's a portfolio, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, you hear it with COVID. I've, I've heard some people, I uh, heard somebody say he was making an inquiry into joining my community. So what well, do you really think I should be doing property now with the, with the market? I'm saying if you ever use the word market, it means you believe that somebody else is in control of all of your decisions. The whole thing about markets is you use your own creativity. You learn where the opportunities are that force appreciation and create value irrespective of the state of the market mm. and win opportunities, whether the market's up, down or sideways. So please don't think about the market. That's what happens to you. You know, it's what you do that creates value. So it's the, and that's the essence of the, the pillars, the pillars on the left-hand side, the, you know, the, the property, the business, the joint, the IP and joint ventures, you do, you know, you, you, you see and you create value for yourself. The other side, you're reacting to the wind that blows on them from the market. And, and that's why people don't get wealthy there. You just can't get wealthy there unless you stick with the stock market for 40 years. But remember, my plan was I didn't think I'd live that long. So I didn't want to wait 40 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I didn't. Cash flow. Cash flow into your life and use it and enjoy it. And if you get some asset growth at the end of it, then happy days. But happy I think days. cash flow. But for me, it's – I think – most of the entrepreneurs I've come across who, you know, do very well for themselves tend to be, they've, they've created a business out of solving a problem Yeah, all the time. Like, you know, we talk about the analysts and, you know, and all the different um, character types. But for me, the, the, the people that just had a problem, solved it, and then created a business out of it, you know, I mean, um, that's exactly how I got in Airbnb. You know, I had a problem getting a one-bed flat rented out. I just couldn't figure it out. Like five, ten viewings had gone through, and I was like, why is no one making me an offer to rent this place? Even just trying to chip me on the rent, like no one was making. So I then had a coffee with a friend and got into Airbnb. I thought, well, why not? What have I got to lose? Bought some furniture, took some photos, and away we went. Solved my own problem. Yeah. You know? and, and then I realized I could solve landlords' problems by helping them get rid of their void properties and, you know, helping them create more cash flow on their properties. And, and, and just by solving those problems, the business built, and then you, you continue yeah. to solve your own problems. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And uh, I just, I think we're speaking the same language. It's just, you know, we are just coming at it from just ever so slightly different angle, but it's only slightly different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because when you look at the wealth building pillars, it's all about, finding where you can add value and value means solving problems it's what an entrepreneur does is solves the problems that you see in the world and whatever that is you know if it's if it's property you're solving the problem of a tenant or a landlord if it's business you're solving you know the problem of a customer in some way and so on so if you're if you're creating ip in books you're solving the problem of a readership or an audience or in my case a membership you know you're solving those problems so it's the very essence of doing it and solving a problem, ideally, you know, I talk about certainly in business anyway, not not so much in property, but in business that, you know, there are three key key components, and I call them my three-point plug when you're looking for business. You know, if you're in business, you want to be doing three things. Number one, the business must have the ability to create recurring income, number one, by far. And that puts an incredible value on a business because any acquirer of a business is always looking for guaranteed profit. The reason why businesses are sold is the acquirer wants the continuation of the profit. Well, if you can show it's recurring, you can show it's there. 
Number two, the business can, even if it doesn't at the beginning, work without you being in it. Cool. Right. Okay. So, because then the acquirer doesn't worry about you having to be there and taking money out of the business because you don't need to be there. So they can just guarantee that profit. And then number three, choose a niche. You know, find a problem that you can really nail in a very tight niche so that by being in the niche, you can be outstanding in there. Because when you're outstanding in what you do, you can create incredible value. And also in, uh, that can lead you to things like intellectual property because yeah. you solve a problem for such a great group, that group becomes a tribe and that group starts to follow you. And then you can create courses and memberships and books and audios and all sorts of different things. So one thing leads to another. Whereas if you just try and do everything to everybody, you don't solve anybody's problems at all. And I think that's what you're doing and how you're articulating what you're doing. And we're just using slightly different language to say the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's 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 amazing how like top level business people all think so similar, and they just have it in their own different ways. But it still works, and that's that's what makes the world ticks, isn't it? And um, you know, it's um, it is fantastic. So, um, have you got any questions for me? Sometimes I know we had a podcast, and I got asked a lot of questions, so probably <laughs> I do tend to ask that at the end of a podcast. I mean. Um, you know, one thing that uh, just for the listeners who are, you know, looking at uh, building property portfolios, you talk about the recurring revenue there. A lot of these people are pitching estate agents asking to take properties off landlords that they've got on their books on management fees to take on rent to rent deals. Well, as we've touched base on there, the value of a company is based on the recurring income that comes into the business. So if the, if the estate agents lose that 10% agency fee, then their business value actually drops. So that's why they continually get these objections. And, you know, it's all about thinking outside the box and coming from a different angle. So if you're getting constantly hit with the subletting um, objection, it's because they don't want to lose their recurring income because it reduces the value of that business. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, I've, I've worked very hard in the last 18 months to take myself out of the business operations, um, not because I want to sell the business. I just... Um, I want to focus on designing it even better, making it stronger, more efficient, bringing in new revenue stream, yeah. you know, adding more, you know, going to Dubai, adding an arm there, doing other things, you know? So, and it's, it's really important that you do focus on that and not become a DIY as you know, using your terminology, because we see that time and time again, where people will buy a house and renovate them themselves rather than going focusing on getting another house and letting, someone else renovated and do it in a much quicker time frame and get it well, exactly, you know and, and time time is one of the greatest uh, freedoms of all i mean i suppose the you know the i've talked a lot today about community and relationships and um i just love to see when people do things that are when they're outstanding in their niche they're just bloody brilliant at what they do and i just wondered if you've ever seen just as you've been you know doing your work and looking at other people uh who you've you've noticed that's out there just really nailing and serving their their niche with an incredible value and while you think about answering the question i just need to to to, to get some power i've just realized i've forgotten to power <laughs> my laptop so preparation is everything right so you can, i'm listening but i'm just going to get something i'll see you in a minute <laughs> yeah so why kevin just popped away um i'll think about my my answer to my question i think um 
there's so many examples of, of people really nailing their niches. I think I, I've actually been fortunate to be around a lot of, um, not a lot. I, I'm fortunate to be uh, being around some high-level sports people in my time and seeing them at work with their craft and how they, you know, show up and, and put the work in behind the scenes to be able to then deliver the result that they work on. Uh, most of them in, in, in the area of, of golf. Obviously, I was... Um, in that game for quite a long time at quite a high level and um you know seeing people craft their their skill set on that front to be able to then deliver the end result is um is is something worth worth watching and it um really is a, an incredible and then you relate that into business and you you, you tend to see these um I, mean, I know they're advised but these sports people then go into businesses and and start creating a bit like what Kevin's saying about all these different areas of of wealth. You know, they they, they use their skill set. They then you know create their their brands and their wealth and everything like that come forward. And um, yeah, it's, it's hugely powerful. And I think for me, I I have you know everyone says you, you need um, is it the average millionaire has seven revenue streams, something like that. Um, whether that's true. Um, maybe they've taken a leaf out of my book. You know, the seven assets. Yeah. <laughs> and uh you know i think it is hugely important for me i have all my revenue streams within a property um bubble as such but they are all different so you know if if the service accommodation game's not working my tenants and my hmo tenants probably still yeah. are i've got a clean and linen business which kind of serves the hmo side of things end of refurb deep cleans and obviously the airbnb business um you know so we've got a management service as well as a rental service so there's there's within the one sector i've got a lot of revenue streams um yeah. i used to invest in stocks my worst decision ever but at the same time you cannot look back like that i bought facebook shares on the ipo and um and i sold them and uh now i look at the share price and just think what if i just kept hold of them but yeah. hey you cannot, uh, <laughs> you cannot have all. I guess I've used that money for um, other asset classes and, and put it in different places. So I'm probably not at a total loss, but it does upset me at times when I work out how much they would be worth right now. Because I think I picked them up for, I want to say something like $14 a share. And uh, I don't know what they're trading at now, but probably north of 200 I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, but we all make these um, decisions in life, don't we? And, and that's the way our life works. Yeah, we all make mistakes. I've made mistakes in business as well, and and, and investments not not too many, but but enough to say, hey, you know, that's the whole point. You know, you you're putting yourself out there to take a risk, and you're expecting a reward. But sometimes you go, actually, that didn't work out, and you learn something. You become a better entrepreneur by doing it because you're not putting your whole assets at risk. And in fact, what's interesting about you saying multiple income streams from you know millionaires and multimillionaires is the fact that if you know you can do something and you can create recurring income not not that i'm advocating people need to sell things they don't you know but uh sometimes it's good to think about well if if it can run without you it can be sold Hmm. so if it can be sold it can be valued and if it can be valued if you ever want to you can capture a value from that um particularly if you can get entrepreneurs relief and as long as that's around uh, so I'm selling a business at the moment, and and it's important to me to to take some money off the table. I've done a good job, and I'd like to get some something back out of it just because I want to. Anyway, the um, 
the more confidence you get by saying, well, I've I built this business, all my businesses are around finance in some way or another, you know, mortgage business, an IFA business, a SaaS business, a membership business, uh, and so on. And the more you build them and you know the the recipe that goes in, you know you could build another one. Yeah. You're willing to try new things. Like mm. you Dubai, your dad can't comprehend Dubai because probably your dad doesn't have that richness of experience of those different businesses. Mm. But you have, so you can go, well, yeah, I can do that. I'm confident it will work. And if it, for any reason, it didn't work, it's not the end of the world because you can come back and you've still got businesses that will continue to serve you. So I think I, I read a great book. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was about um, these two. And I was talking about this on Clubhouse yesterday. Um, these two partners, business partners in the state, they built a, a business up to 15 million within three years. And, um, and one of the business partners went to the other, went to the accountant and said, um, I need to take some money out of the business, blah, blah, blah. And he basically said, there is no money in the business. And he's like, what do you mean there's no money in the business? Like, we've just been hit this morning with X, Y, Z. Basically, the other partner had a gambling problem and he gambled it all away. And um, there's two ways that guy could have gone. Obviously, he could have blamed the other guy, tried to sue him and probably got nowhere and, you know, and just wasted a lot of energy. But he just stood up and said, this is my fault. I haven't kept an eye on the accounts. Full responsibility for it. Went and built another business within three years, up to ten million. You know, so you talk about just because he knows he can do it, he's, he's done, it, and, yeah. and he's got that skill set. And um, so, it, you know, what you're saying there just resonates so true with that story. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I think the what I've enjoyed over my years of doing this is I've begun to really establish well, both in my mind and in my teachings, principles. Um, so, you know, people ask me opinions and things. Of course they do. You know, uh, when you, you, you know, reputationally, you, someone's going to say, well, what's your opinion about this? And I have a standard line on that. You know, number one, if we're talking in a business environment, you know, we're, we're chatting about you building wealth or doing something, I won't give you an opinion. I don't deal with opinions. I deal with principles. So let me tell you the principles that will mean that my opinion is irrelevant. But if somebody wants an opinion from me or something, say there's a condition and it's a glass of wine in my hand that you've paid for. If you give me a nice glass of red, I'll give you my opinion, but only <laughs> until it's finished. That way people stop asking me opinions, right? So Because it's irrelevant what my opinion is on anything. Mm. Because all I do is deal in principles. Principles work. Opinions, everybody's got them. Yeah, just go down the pub when you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, plenty of barrooms. Anyway, people give you an opinion, but principles that work, I would rather have them every day. And yeah. that's why when you're tapping into those people and saying, "Well, I tried this and it worked," and I'm doing this and it worked, you know, you're starting to build a set of principles that you put to work in your business, and then you turn that into something that can be monetized for you or monetized if you choose to sell it. Yeah, no, it's more so valuable. Superb advice, superb. Kevin, this has been an absolute pleasure, and I am more than positive that everyone watching live right now has had, um, you know, some huge value, and all the listeners, when the podcast does go live, um, will as well. Um, I am obviously very tired, <laughs> and I know you're a busy man, and also it's Friday night, so we might as well, you go and have a glass of red, and I'm going to have a nice cold beer. Right, um, January, but, but I will do one another night, right, but not tonight. Hopefully we'll hook up again soon and uh, thank you for your time. You're welcome. Bye-bye for now. Bye.